Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. Thanks, you guys, so much for tuning in today for Java with Jen. I'm super pumped about the guests that I have on the show today because this is going to be more of like an open conversation between two women of God who love Jesus and have some history. And she has a really fascinating story about her journey in serving the Lord. And I know a lot of you listeners are actually women who are super passionate about your relationship with God, growing with God, and you feel a call to ministry. And I think Tiffany's story is going to really encourage you. And uh, she's also one of my most favorite, hilarious people in the world. And so we'll probably have some giggles along the way. So please welcome Miss Tiffany Johnson. Tiffany, thanks for joining me. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. This is an honor. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, okay. So Tiffany and I go way back to like, what, 15, 17 years ago? Oh, yeah. To um, college, Bible school. We both went to Teen Mania's Honor Academy. And so that's where we, we really kind of connected when we were both core advisors, right? Yes. Our second year? Yeah. Okay. So that's like 2003, 2004. And so, um, so Tiffany, you were sharing a story with me just now about a moment that I don't remember that we had, but tell me about it. Because that was a season where the Lord started really growing me prophetically. And so and you and I click so well because we're both just prophetic women. So tell me, what was this little encounter that we had? Yeah. So even for me, I would say that was a lot of beginning of just growing and hearing the Lord and knowing his voice myself. And so we were in a van and you were with your girls and I, and I was along for the journey. And I I remember I was looking out the window and I was just talking to the Lord. And I just asked the Lord the simple question, like, you know, Lord, what do you want to do with my life? Like when you see me, what do you think about me? And how do you feel about my life? And so um, all of a sudden I had an open vision and in the vision, I saw myself speaking in front of all these different women and, um, and I saw out of my mouth came a sword to bring truth, to bring healing. And that every time the sword touched somebody, it made them whole. It made them into the person that they were called to be. And it was almost like I was speaking identity. I was speaking like, Hey, this is what you think you are, but this is who you really are. And, um, and that was a simple, and I remember you turned to me like not knowing, I mean, this was a this was something I was seeing as I was looking out the window and, um, it happened. And and all of a sudden you turned to me and you said, Hey, the Lord just told me something about you. And you literally described almost every single thing within that open vision. And you're like, you're a woman of the truth. I see the truth coming out of your mouth, like a sword, touching people, giving them identity. And I remember I was like, what is happening? Because it was such a new level of growth. And I, I'll never forget that. It, it changed my life too. Yeah. That's, that's so awesome. I, you know what? I do remember turning to you and telling you you're a woman of truth. I remember that particular phrase. Um, I don't, I can't picture the scenario, but that makes so much sense. I do remember a few moments with you in vehicles because we traveled a lot then, but yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. So, okay. So then for the sake of my listeners, give me a little overview of you sent me your bio um, which actually, let me just pull it up so you don't have to read your bio to everyone because that's always a little bit awkward. Um, I'm going to introduce you to everybody. Okay, so Tiffany, just some backstory for all you guys so you know who Tiffany is. Tiffany's been in full-time ministry since 2001, counting those years at Team Mania. Um, she has been in leadership at Team Mania, which is actually an international ministry that is no longer, but it was an international, had an international reach and race up. I mean, thousands of teenagers into their ministry call. It's just a phenomenal season of our lives. Um, And then she also served at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. And then she's now at the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. She served for 15 years as a children's and youth pastor. And might I say you were probably the coolest, funnest youth pastor ever. Um, (laughs) As well as a worship leader. And so actually she and I used to sing together and play guitar together. It was super fun. Uh, She's traveled across the U.S. preaching, leading worship at various churches and denominations. Tiffany has served as a prophetic voice and leading others in prophetic worship for over a decade. That was part of your role at IHOP, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Okay. And so, and her passion is to see people of all ages walking the Isaiah 61 reality that the lost are saved, 
the broken are restored, lives are changed through Jesus. So that's a little backstory for you guys. So you know who Tiffany is. Um, so yeah, share a little bit about just like briefly about your time at IHOP. I do remember you going there right after we graduated Team Mania. And um, I remember seeing you in the prayer rooms sometimes helping lead worship on their online streaming thing. Um, how was your season at IHOP? You were there for quite a while. Yeah. So um, I went to IHOP really as a call to intercession, just, just so a little bit of backdrop. At 16 years old, I wanted to be a prophet. And one of the reasons I wanted to be a prophet, because I thought every prophet was God's friend. When I would read it, I was like, I just want to be a friend of God. And so I wanted to be a prophet. So I went to two different churches, two different churches on the other side of town when I was 16. And I went up to the front for a prayer time. And I thought, here we go, because they were prophetic ministries. Thought, here we go, you're going to be a prophet to the nations, you know. And and they said two things, two different times um, in seasons while 16. They said, I just feel like you're going to be an intercessor, and I see you playing guitar. And I have to be honest, I thought that was the lamest thing someone ever <laughs> told me. And that's when they told me the second time it happened by a totally different person at a totally different church. I was so mad. I took my hands out of their hands, and I thought— well, that was dumb. And I just walked away because to me, it was like the same as being like intercession to me was just being a Christian. It's like, you know, you, you pray and you read your Bible. And I was like, well, that's anticlimactic, you know, like (laughs) I thought that seems like the most mundane thing God could call you to, you know? And so, um, so the Lord took me on a journey of learning, learning what it meant to be an intercessor. And when I asked the Lord about it, he said, Tiffany, you believe that the prophets are my friends. He said, but the intercessor is my friend. That's why you will hear of many false prophets, but you'll never hear of any false intercessors. Wow, good word. And so when I realized that, he said, I don't share my secrets with the prophets. I share my secrets with the intercessors. And he said, the intercessors are the prophets. Yeah. And so I, I it just changed my journey of going what intercession looks like. So yeah. When I heard about the House of Prayer, it was something that connected to me because I thought this is a time to dedicate myself in seeking the Lord and to be a voice because my heart has been, I want to be the purest voice I can be because there is so much confusion out there and there's so much like, you know, I just want to to be a pure voice. And so when I went to the house of prayer, I did the night watch, um, wasn't planning on doing the night watch, which is praying from 12 AM to 6 AM. And, um, but it was exactly what I needed because there's such a small group of us, such a community of us. And even to pray with the Lord during the middle of the night, um, a time that for, for time and season of my life was the most scary time for me. I hated to be like, as a little kid, I was scared of the dark. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff for the light, the Lord to show me that there's light in the darkness while people are sleeping, that light is going forth in the city. Yeah. It changed my perspective of even how I view the night. Right. And, um, and so I went there, I was there for gosh, six years. And in that six years, you know, it was growing and hearing his voice and prophetically singing over, you know, a city, over people, over schools, over regions and learning how to partner with the Lord and his word over those things. Wow. Wow. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. Okay. So tell us a little bit about how you ended up where you are now, which I won't name the city and location because I know there's some reasons for privacy there, but tell us how you ended up there, how the Lord moved you there from where you were before. Yeah. So for my journey in my life, I lost my dad at at 21 years old in 2004. And from that time until 2015, we had lost every single family member except for me and my mom. And so um, so where I had lived in Ohio, where I'm originally from, there was just so much death. And so when I moved home to be with my mom from Kansas City after um, her husband had passed away and my, my grandfather passed away, um, I just asked the Lord, you know, redeem this place or move me somewhere. And the Lord has given me words, you know, a lot of times go to this place or like, but there's usually like a ministry there or something solid there. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this, for instance, the Lord just said, I want you to move to a place you've never been to. You have, you don't know a soul there and you don't even know what you're going to do. Uh-huh. And so the Lord called me, you know, um, 
to North Carolina. And so um, I, I landed here and I thought, okay, what are you going to do? And the Lord had opened up doors for me like that we had talked about a little bit that I couldn't even open up for myself. In fact, when I got the job, everybody went, how did you get this job? Because nobody gets these kind of jobs just by walking in. I mean, it takes years, takes references, it takes knowing someone. And so even the favor of God to just grow it, the Lord told me it'd be like Abraham. I'm going to call you to a place that you've never been, but this will be a place that actually will be your inheritance. And so, um, so it was almost like God really took me from death to life is how I, I see it. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so cool. And right where you're at, uh, I just, my husband and I just booked tickets to come to your city just two days ago. Oh, then we're going to hang out. That's Yes. Cause my mentor lives in your city and a couple of our friends who are her children, um, that used to be on staff with us here, they're there as well. And then, um, I just found out there's a national prophet who's moving his ministry there right now. Yes. He's transitioning in July. I am very excited about him coming too. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, he lives on their street. So I'm like, oh, I, he works with my mentor, actually. She works oh, with him. Oh, okay. So I'm like, cool, cool. Maybe we'll get to meet him too. But I just put pieces together in my head right now. Like, oh my gosh, I'm coming to your city. Maybe I come hug you. Yeah. <laughs> Do you hug during COVID? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, cool. I hug during COVID too. <laughs> okay. So let's dig into now for my listeners who they're like, okay, what are we talking about today? So you were talking about speaking of COVID that you believe that this is God's reset for our nation and that, or really for the world. And that 2020, that we're going to look back on it as one of the greatest resets of history. Talk, talk into that because I feel like there's so much despair and discouragement and chaos that is trying to overwhelm. I say trying um, to overwhelm at this time, but it's kind of like where the word says that in the last days, the darkness will grow darker, but the light will grow brighter. And I feel like we're seeing that. I feel like people's responses um, is really hitting the surface. And I feel like those who are walking in love, it's more visible. And those who are walking in hate, it's just, it's more present everywhere, you know? And so talk to me about what is the Lord showing you about 2020 and this reset? Yeah, absolutely. So just even for clarity too, you know, I think with prophetic giftings, there's so many outlets of prophetic giftings, you know, those who are seers. So those who have that bubbling up, you know, that feeling. And so even for me, I feel like I'm more of a feeler. And so in how I feel and talk to the Lord and hear from the Lord, even that way. So right before COVID, I had been going to some Damon Thompson meetings and there was just a sense of revival in the air. And I had been seeing things come together. One of those things was unity, unity in churches that had never come together before. And I was like, Lord, I have a sense that you are about to do something that people have prayed for, for, for years for this nation. Um, and I could see some of it starting to happen, starting to pop up things that were like moves of God that I haven't felt since the nineties, you know, streams that I was like, whoa, I haven't felt the Holy spirit move in a service in this way. in a while where people were running to the altar and repentance. And I thought, wow, Lord, you're about to do something great. And so in the midst of this COVID happened and it just, it almost felt like this momentum that just screeched to a halt. And at first I thought, man, this is an enemy of revival. And I thought this is something that's fighting against revival. It's fighting against the move of God. And, and it took me a second because I I don't know about you, but for me, everything in my world just stopped. Uh It just hindered. So like all my busyness came to a stop. Uh Everything that I consumed my life with entertainment Anything that I just enjoy, even just going to a restaurant, it all stopped. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I realized I was, I had to face myself. Yeah. And in that facing of myself, I realized, oh my gosh, the Lord is dealing with me. Like the Lord is wanting me to stop because there was idols in my life, things in my life that in the busyness, I actually couldn't see Mm. until all this stuff happened. Right. And it was in that moment, the Lord said, repentance precedes revival. Yeah. And I knew that it was personal. It wasn't just a corporate gathering. It was God was resetting my life. He was resetting my heart. He was resetting my dreams and things that 
it was almost like he was reminding me, I haven't forgot about these things, but in the busyness of life, it's easy to think, oh my gosh, you know, um, and think about it. I mean, generally, I'm sure you thought about this too. Never in history has the whole world stopped on a dime. Yes, exactly. Ever. Yeah. And it, it was that moment where, um, Brazil to represent COVID over the nations, you know, and how they're praying for him. They put a coat on Jesus. That was all the nations. Oh, wow. And in that, and it was that moment I went, Jesus, you're reigning over the nations right now. Wow. And I thought you're literally stopping us all to reset. Yeah. To, yeah. to realize what's my first place, what's first place in my life and who's first place in my heart. And to remind myself that you sit upon the throne of the nations, but I need you above all to sit on the throne of my heart. Yes. And so in that, I, I just was asking the Lord, what are you doing? And I just heard reset. I just heard it over and over. I'm resetting the things that have been lost and either, you know, has been stolen by the enemy, stolen by my own mistakes, all those things. It was almost like, if this is the year of Jubilee, which I know we really just came out of Jubilee, Jubilee is, is like a forgiveness of all debts and all those things. Mm-hmm. I thought it also means cleaning house. And so I thought God really in this season, everything that we cling on to, there's nothing to cling on to in this season. You know, if you want to cling on to your finances, you can't. Mm-hmm. If you want to cling on to the entertainment that, you know, nulls your senses, it's really hard to in this season. And it's one of those things I'm like, we're being encountered with ourselves, but really so that we encounter the God who's right there in the midst of our heart too, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Absolutely. I love what you're saying. I feel, I felt so much the same thing, the scripture from Hebrews that says that, um, the Lord God shakes the foundations that can be shaken so we can partake in an unshakable kingdom. That yeah. scripture has to me been like the theme song of COVID. Because as I look around, as I look at our own lives, like if, if, your, if your confidence comes from your job and your wealth, that foundation is being shaken. If your confidence comes from the fear of man and what people think about you, everything's shifting. Everyone's opinions are changing. So that's being shaken. You know, like if your confidence is in um, your health and the healthcare system to keep you well, that is being shaken. You know what I mean? Like everything is being shaken. And I see it, like you're saying, as such a reset. Like I am so excited to be alive right now. Like this is the best time to be alive because God is seriously moving in the best way. And I feel like too, behind the scenes, he is, he's, he's, it's almost like when a king has been sitting in his throne a long time, but he starts to rouse himself to stand up and his garments are shifting and the room feels the suspension and the tension of him about to stand and make a decree. That's what it feels like to me. And it feels like the Lord God is being roused and the people that are doing wicked in wicked places in secret, all of that is about to be held accountable and is about to be judged and brought to light. Like we're already seeing that happen. Like even today, I think, or yesterday, um, Epstein's girlfriend was finally, did you see that? She was finally uh, arrested. And I'm like, yes, you know, so all these things. Um, And it reminds me of something the Lord spoke to me back in 2008 when the recession hit. And I was asking the Lord for his thoughts about it. And it was when Obama was in office. And the Lord, I was sitting in my office and it was raining outside. And I saw the flag flying outside, really struggling to fly. It was kind of flopping and flailing about. And the Lord was like, America is struggling right now. And America will struggle for a little while. But then I had this vision where the sun came out, the air dried up, the flag dried, and then it it was clean and began to flow and fly again. And the Lord said, I'm bringing a cleansing to the nation because, and he said, because I made promises to the forefathers that I will not go back on and their prayers and the promises I made to them stand before me. And I was like, like, even every time I say that vision, I like choke back tears because God is so faithful to the prayers of the forefathers before us, you know? And I feel like that is what he's doing. The King is being roused. He's resetting. He's purifying his bride. I think all of us have been challenged to look inward, you know, and deal with ourselves. I mean, the whole thing, it landed everybody back at home, back to our origins, where we started. And, uh, and even like 2000, what was it? 2014, maybe I had a vision 
of the coming revival and I saw a pregnant woman and the pregnant woman was the church and inside of her it's coming it's starting in the homes and the families and that is how revival is going to hit the earth this time and um and I've just when I saw COVID landed us all back in our homes I was like holy crap and then even the DNA testing that people are finding family members they didn't know existed. The Lord is returning fathers to their sons and sons to their fathers. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I feel like I'm seeing all these prophetic things coming together in this time. So exciting. That was a lot of words. <laughs> no, but it's funny because there's so much that you said. I was like, that is exactly how I have felt, yeah. you know? And even the changing of the definition of church. I have yeah. felt that so much of that God... You know, we have made Christianity so much about platform ministry, but it is the day-to-day walking in Him and doing life and community and going out into our communities and laying hands on the sick and prophesying. And, you know, um, I just thought, I think God is redefining what we're supposed to look like in this season too. And so, because like you said, it's in our homes, you know, and and even in that sense, it changed my heart because I went, Lord how I view Christianity and what you, what you think it should look like. I'm seeing that I don't have the right mindset and you're changing my mindset again of like you walked among your people and you laid hands and whatever was before you, like you ministered to. And I believe as well, like as the body, we're called to walk in boldness in the hour to give hope to people because you know, the cross is still hope, you know, what's going on in our nation right now. The cross is still the answer to it all. And, um, and we have a, it's, you know, it talks about be ready in season to give an answer for what you believe. And I believe that we have the greatest news of all to give to people in this hour. And that's why the enemy's hitting the church with fear, because to be honest, we have the greatest answer for the world today. That's so true. It's so true. That's so exciting. Okay. Clearly we can talk about this a long time, but let's go into the next thing you were talking about, which is that you feel like something the Lord's really been putting in your heart is that. You can't miss God's will. And I want to bring attention to this because I feel like as a believer, I've experienced and in mentoring and pastoring so many hundreds of people over my life, I've experienced so many people carry this fear that they're going to miss God's will for their life. They're going to miss that great moment that could shift them into what God has for them, or they're going to miss um, the husband or the wife that God has for them or whatever. So speak, speak to what you mean with that. Yeah. So I used to be one of those people. So (laughs) (laughs) So, don't worry. I'm there too. Um, And when I was at IHOP, you know, there were so many people going, you know, is this God? And I realized I'm like, I'm asking the same thing. Like, is this God? And am I going to miss you? And I'm going to mess you up and do this. And it was amazing because we went to a meeting and um, Mike Bickle talked about the God of the big target. And he, I don't know, I'll never forget this illustration. He said, God is so kind. It says, we have made God slow to be angry, but it says he's quick to love, that he's compassionate and gracious. And in that, so is his call. You know, he knows our frame. He knows who we are. He knows, and he said, it only, the only thing he requires of you is the yes. And he said, and you already have the yes. So he said, so why do we have fear when the yes is already in your heart? And it made me realize, I'm like, those who seek him, find him when they seek him with all their heart. And I've seen people who weren't really even seeking Jesus, like myself, when I got saved, find Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so there is something in Proverbs that says there's no wisdom, no will, no insight that can come against the plans of God. And I realized that just like the cross, Jesus goes 90% of the way. And he asks for us for our, our yes. I mean, he does most of it where he goes, just say yes. And I realize even when I don't say yes, he's kind to continue to guide my feet. Anytime I've messed up, I've always found myself, you know, in his, in his thing. But I remember the Lord um, asked me one day, he said, Tiffany, if you die today, do you, would you think that you've been unsuccessful? And this is when I was at the house of prayer. And I was like, yes, <laughs> I said, yes, I would. <laughs> absolutely. God. Yes. Absolutely. Lord. I do. <laughs> yeah. And so, because I realized I wasn't doing the vision, right. I wasn't speaking on stage. I wasn't winning the lost in like thousands. Like I, that's been in my heart and, you know, and so I thought, well, yeah, cause the vision isn't there. And he said, no, he said, Tiffany today, if you live out the first and second commandment, you've lived my will. 
Come on now. And that's what changed my life. Wow. Because a, a friend of mine, she said, Tiffany, my, my, my goal today is to love God and then love the person in front of me, yeah. which includes my family, my mother, my father, my husband, my kids. And it was in that I realized that his will is actually more simple than complicated. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we're walking around anticipating a day that's going to look different than today. And instead of just loving God with all of our heart now, loving our neighbor, because a lot of times you'll get to that place by doing what's in front of you today. And I found myself because a lot of people do this when you live in fear, you Mm self-preserve. So you preserve something for a different time. Right. So you're like, well, I'm really called to do this. So I can't really give myself to this little thing or this other thing, because this other thing's going to come along that's greater and bigger. And that's going to be my call. Yeah. And, um, and how I saw it is that the Lord told me to read the gospels again. Mm-hmm. And I looked and that Jesus got up and he literally just ministered to the person who was in front of him. Yeah. And, and now I believe Jesus. Hi, Heidi Baker. <laughs> yeah. Love the one, right. Love the one in front of you. Yeah. And I mean, look at her life and how it's transformed. And I realized, you know, that's, that's why you'll never miss the will of God because it literally is centered around the first and second commandment. And if you do the first and second commandment, you'll never miss his will. And he'll also bring alongside of you someone who's doing it as well. So if you're looking for your spouse, as it says, hey, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's more simple than complicated. I think it's just as simple as, and it's hard to love. It's hard to love people as God loves people. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so it takes God, we say this at IHOP, it takes God to love God and it takes God to love others. And so I go to God to get love and I go to people to give it. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. I love what you're saying. In fact, whenever I was, uh, so many thoughts all at the same time, because it's so rich what you just said. Um, When I was at Teen Mania and remember we would be in the call center and we'd make a gazillion calls a week, right? And it was so tedious. And I just, and and at Teen Mania, it was all about what's the vision for your future, you know, and you like dream up all these grand things, you know. And with that did come this sense of pressure to hurry up and get ready so God could finally use you in that big thing he has for you, right? And at least that's how I felt. And so I always felt like all the little tasks or all these, you know, the training that I was going through, all of it felt like it was just like, oh, can I hurry up and grow up already? You know, like, kind yes. of how you feel as a teenager, you know? And um, and I remember the Lord came to me just uh, in the call center one day as I was like making calls and leaving messages and making calls and leaving messages. And the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, you know, Jen, he said, tomorrow's not promised to you. So if you died tomorrow, this would have been that great thing I had for your life. Are you being faithful with it? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, sweet Jesus, nail me through the forehead, you know. And uh, and it just it, it changed my perspective of my life where it became loving people and loving God is the first and foremost and being faithful with what is in front of me today. And I realized, like, if God has called me to preach, for example, then there's some way to accomplish that great vision today, here and now, whether that means I'm studying, whether that means I'm being faithful to speak life-giving truth to my neighbor, or whatever it is, there are small ways to be faithful with that vision in a day-sized, bite-sized bit. You know what I mean? And so the Lord just really challenged my faithfulness and, and that changed everything for me. It took the pressure off. And I've seen how with my vision being set just to be faithful, to love God, love people and honor the person in front of me, God does all the work. Like it takes all the pressure off of me to try to make anything happen. Cause the reality is we've all experienced where we dream up these grand visions, but his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. His dreams are higher than ours. So it like rarely actually pans out like you picture, <laughs> you know, like yes. he'll maybe put a seed in your heart to believe for, and we see that maybe come, but most times things don't pan out like we imagined because God's picture is so much bigger. So when we pursue, like you're saying, loving God, loving people and, and being faithful, like you won't miss God's will. That is God's will for you today. Love God love people. That's so good. And it takes away all the fear that makes us panic and overlook the very thing he has for our day. So good. 
So good. Yeah. You, you remember when Bob Jones died a couple of years ago? Yes. Um, okay. And he died in the 70s, I think it was. And he went to heaven. Did you know this story? Yes. I think. Th- did you learn to love? Is that that story? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so for the sake of the listeners. So Bob Jones died in the 70s and went to heaven and he stood before the Lord. And the Lord said, Bob, I only have one question for you. He said, did you learn to love? And Bob thought, and he was like, uh, I don't, I don't know that I learned to love Lord. Like, what do you mean? And the Lord elaborated or however it went anyways. And so the Lord said, I'm going to send you back now because I want you to learn how to love. And I want you to teach people to love. And so Bob Jones was resurrected, came back to life and he lived for what? Another 30, 40 oh, something years, yeah. a I long think- time. Yeah. And that became the mission of his life was to learn to love. So whenever I start to get overwhelmed with my Christianity or with what's it going to require of me to fulfill the call on my life or whatever, just like you're saying, I just go back to that. I'm like, if God only asked me one question and it's, did I learn to love? Then suddenly my calling as a mom, my calling as a neighbor, my calling as a wife take on so much purpose, you know? And so I love that. I love that. Okay, so um, you also talked about how, and this kind of plays into it, how Jesus is more about our maturity than he is about the destination. So I think that really plays into this point you just made. So can you tie that together? Yeah. So even like through COVID, you know, like in all this other stuff too, um, I think, you know, in, in our spiritual walk journey, you know, everybody's just trying to get through right now, even, you know, like everybody's like, how do we get through this, get through this? And in my life, because I've had so much pain, it's been like, how do I get to a different point or get through this spot so I can get to the final journey or to the final place where I'm supposed to be? And, um, and I think kind of even like what I was saying, the Lord has been showing me that he cares so much more about my relationship with him than finally reaching the goal. And what really hit me was Hebrews 11, because I realized all his friends never saw the fulfillment in their day. Yes. Not even, not one of them. And I thought God so loves covenant with us that for one, he does eternal covenants. You know, Abraham is still receiving the eternal covenant of all of us being born, you know, and coming into the kingdom and being a part of that seed. Um, David is still, you know, waiting the fulfillment of when Jesus, his heir, you know, comes and sits on the throne and, you know, rules eternally and it will have no end. Literally, the kingdom will have no end. And so I, I, it's been this journey, even in letting go of this fear of the will of God to realizing that God hasn't been so concerned about that vision for my life as I grow in love with him. Mm -hmm. And so, and the things that hinder love, because when the prophets would come to them, it wasn't so much, yes, it was about obedience. And it was about, hey, did you do what I asked you to do? But it was like, you know, David had messed up. And after him messing up, he said, this is a man after my own heart. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was what God wanted the most is that when he comes to the earth, will he find faith? He's not looking for those who are just doing good things because yeah, because that's why, you know, we, it's funny how simple it is and you read it over and over and over again, but you yeah. still think it's about that. Do you yes. know what I'm mean? like, Matthew, it's like, Hey, Jesus, I did this in your name. I prophesied and did all those things. And he's like, well, I never knew you. Yeah. And I realized it's God wants to know me yeah. that that means more to him than me being the prophet or me being the apostle or me doing these other things. And so even as I've been learning like the simplicity of the will of God, I've also been realizing that God actually doesn't care so much about my positional role as he does about knowing me and me knowing him. Amen. So good. No, keep going. I interrupted you just because I'm No, excited. no, that's really, that's really the heart of it. I mean, I don't know if there's really much to elaborate. It's just been my journey too, because I, I work with different people with different age groups and some are settled where they're at and some, you know, want more for their life. And it, it, when I realized it was about maturity, I realized I can in, accept where I am right now, knowing that there's more that I want to do and it won't make me stagnant. Like, I think there's a fear that if I accept that maturity is it, not the journey that I'll become stagnant, but it actually makes my love grow and it makes me want to do more and ask every day, what more can I do for you, Jesus? Yeah. And so, because I realized the thing is, is that Jesus, when you, when it becomes about maturity, then the journey you don't actually care where he takes you as much. 
like it, you, it's easier to die to like your version of your own calling. Yeah. And because a lot of it is that Jesus will take you to places that you don't want to go and to people yeah. that you might not want to reach and the people who are on his heart, that wouldn't be the people that are on your heart necessarily. But I thought the openness to love is that like Jesus, he came for us who were really his enemies, you know, mm-hmm. and expressed the greatest display of love. And so even the expression of Jesus through me, the purest it can be is if I dedicate myself to the journey of maturity rather than just where I'm going. And yes. That's- That's so good because I feel like if we put our focus on the destination or what this grand calling will look like, then it's so easy for our human ego and our, you know, vain imaginations or like the word says that the, the, um, boasting of what one has and does, what are those three things? The, um, the, the pride of life, the lust of the eye, lust of the flesh and the pride of life. Yeah. 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 The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the, and the pride of life or the boasting of what one has and does like our human ego always wants to have something to boast about. Like, Oh, this is what I accomplished is don't I look great. Didn't I accomplish great things, you know? And so when we put our focus on this great big grand vision, all that does is make a platform in our heart of the ego and the pride of life rather than the platform of the love of God, but focusing on what you're saying, which is the maturity and the, and the growth of love in our hearts, it eliminates that foundation of ego and it builds in us laid down lovers where our, our lives are laid down, our lives are surrendered, and we're actually becoming the beautiful bride that Jesus wants to come for because we're pure. Our, our motives are pure and, and it's not going to get burned up when we get to heaven. Amen. Oh my gosh. So good. Okay. So last thing you also mentioned, this is a time for attaining oil. Now, some of my listeners may not understand that figurative language or may not be familiar with it. Um, but you, you elaborated saying that this is the hour in which we need to hear his voice. And before you dive into that, I want to share a little, a little thought that as we went into COVID, something the Lord highlighted to me was in Matthew where Peter and Jesus are talking and Jesus explains to Matthew about how he's or explains to Peter how he is about to go to the cross and be crucified and all this. And Peter's like, no, Lord, let it not be so, you know, this has a really dramatic love response. Um, but Jesus was like, get behind me, Satan. And then we're all familiar with that line. But then the very next part of the verse, he says, because you are not thinking with the father's thoughts, you are thinking only from a human perspective. And I was wow. like, oh, okay. So Peter was not sinning when he was like, God, I don't want you to die. That was such a human response. Like, I love you. I would say that to any of my friends. I don't want you to die. You know, like if my yeah. friend came to me and said, it's God's will for me to go to Africa and lose my life. I would be like, eh, can we have a second option? You know, like I might try to talk them out of it too, you know? But he was like, his point was get behind the Satan because Jesus knew his destiny was to go to the cross. That Peter's human emotional response was enough to align himself in the camp of the enemy that would have derailed Jesus from his destiny if Jesus had listened to him versus if he had just had the father's thoughts, he could have echoed the father's thoughts. And so I feel like what you're saying about this is a time for attaining oil and hearing God's voice in this hour. That's something the Lord has had before me. Like you can't afford in this COVID crisis or in this pandemic and all the things going on, you can't afford to have a human response. You have to have the father's thoughts because God is always doing a new thing. He's doing something higher and undiscernible sometimes, usually discernible, but not always perceptive to the eye, you know? And so elaborate on what you're saying there. And cause I feel like they, I feel like those thoughts connect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, wow. <laughs> I'm like, I just want to chew on that for a minute. I know, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I have felt like even in this really well oil, uh, let's, let's just break that down oil in that um, oil in our lamps. If we are the lamp that we shine oil to me is intimacy with Jesus. And so when Jesus is walking amongst the golden lampstands to me in Revelation chapter two or three, um, but when he's walking amongst that, to me, it's, it's also represents of the oil, the, the intimacy, the relationship. And with kind of like, um, man, I'm still, I'm still chewing on your word. I'm like, whoa, that really like 
got to me in a great way. Uh-huh. Um, even growing in intimacy with Jesus and hearing his voice and knowing his ways, like this is the season that in the darkest time when we don't know the day or the hour Jesus will return, like to not let fear grab hold of our hearts. This is a time to lay hold of Jesus and to grab oil, to, to speak the truth and to lay hold of who he is and to grow in our love and our intimacy with him. And kind of like you said, because I was thinking, you know, even um, John the Baptist said, you know, he must become greater and I must become less. You know, it's a grabbing hold of all that he is, that it transforms every part of me as well. And so because I think that like the sons of Issachar were able to discern the times and the season, you know, and so to me to also understand the times of the seasons, you have to grow in intimacy. You have to grow in your oil to attain oil. And some of that looks like like you were saying we're home right now. And I think that in the lack of busyness that we have is actually a gift for us to have that time with Jesus that, you know, it can be so easily taken because of the rush of life and people being so busy. And that's why I think some of this, I'm like, you know, I know we just want to get through this, but I don't want to miss what God's doing right now and what I can gain in God right now. And that's why even for me, this is the time to get oil. This is time for us to like be intentional and because God's actually being very intentional with us. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy to numb ourselves through it because it's so jarring to mm-hmm. our personal lives or to our economy or to our nation. But this is actually a gift to attain oil so that when we are like growing and standing before Jesus, we will be like, I didn't miss it. Like, and that's to me where you miss it. I think when we miss it is when we actually don't connect. You know, when people are like, well, how do I miss God? I'm like, usually when we don't spend time with him, that's usually the only time I can go, man, I really missed it is when either, and I've fought against the Lord for real, have fought against the Lord. He said, no. And I'm like, I'm going to tell you all the reasons why that should be a yes. You know, <laughs> um, But even in that, in that process of that wrestling, I get to get his perspective of why he loves me and why he has given me that no. And to, to, even in that I gain oil. You know, and so that's why even for me in the wrestling and the struggling, um, this is the greatest time to get oil because oil is usually given in the time of pressure. You know, the greatest oil comes with the greatest pressure. I was literally just thinking what you just said. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, this is the greatest pressure our nation has ever seen and probably a lot of our personal lives, you know, and I'm like, if, if I, I want to be intentional to say, you know what, Jesus in this, I don't want to just get through. I want to attain um, because if I'm just getting through, I'll go through on empty, just thinking I could just get to the other side, yeah. but I'm not supposed to get through on an empty tank. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I've, I mean, I've gone through seasons. I, I can look back on a season where for about two years, I was so busy and I was so distracted with other goals. I didn't really have consistent time with the Lord. I wasn't really in the word. I wasn't really praying. I mean, I wasn't totally disconnected from the Lord. I still went to church and I still was, you know, like I'd, I'd, I'd listen to my Bible sometimes, but there was not like this diligent seeking of him. You know, it was kind of more of like a casual approach and I could feel how the anointing on my life felt so very weak and shallow and, and I feel like it took me a while to make up for even the lies and the wrong thinking that I adopted in those two years because the word was not constantly um, purifying and processing my processes. You know what I mean? Like you can take on. And so it's like when we don't prioritize our intimacy with the Lord, like time with God is like we go through so much. We experience hurts. We experience traumas. We experience losses. Like. I mean, I'm thinking through all the different things that we've gone through just in the last five years, our nation has seen so much, you know what I mean? And, and there's just so much trauma people experience these days that if we are not spending time with God, just the way our biology works, your brain is going to pick up wrong thinking just in survival, in fear and in instinct, your brain is going to pick up wrong thinking and that wrong thinking can turn into spiritual strongholds. If we don't allow God to confront it with his word and, and confront us, like, like I was going through some really difficult um, relationships. And I realized that in that process, because the word wasn't going in, I started to believe that, that God didn't have my back, that I had to get my own back, that man could get in the way of God's plan for my life. 
And all that did is it produced in me a lot of like micromanaging, control, fear, um, just immature behavior because I wasn't rested in trusting the Lord's hand in my life, just in that simple way. And so, I mean, like we're going through a time where there's so much pressure and there's so much pain and so much people are experiencing. If we are not getting in the word, we're going to adopt thinking that's not God's thinking. We're going to have human thinking and that can align us with the enemy's camp. There we go. We just tied it together right there. (laughs) That was perfect. (laughs) So I love it, man. I love, see, I knew we were going to have a good conversation. Oh, I know. Oh, I'm so sad. We're already at 45 minutes, but okay. So now I don't, everybody don't jump off yet. Cause I want to get into life hacks. It's just a five minute segment at the end where we give some practical tools. Okay. So for today's life hacks, <laughs> Tiffany, tell us what's your greatest life hack. What saves your life? today in this day and age? What is something practical for us? Yeah. So to me, I think it kind of goes back to just the first and second commandment. So like know that today that just loving God, spending time with him, going to people around you, that is the tr- the greatest thing that you can do. Mm-hmm. And that every single day living that out is going to change your life. And you'll find yourself, I mean, like I said, I didn't plan to move where I moved. Um, I didn't plan to go where I went, but because of those little simple yeses in my heart, um, God really moved me to things that now I live where things that in my heart, I didn't even know that I love. And so even for me, I think not to underestimate the simplicity of your time with God every day and loving the person in front of you, because that actually is how the will of God is done and how his kingdom comes and how his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. It's so true. And it's so practical and it's so doable. I love that. I love that. I would say too, for those of you who are like, okay, I want oil. How do I do this? I would say, just commit to the Lord. Say, God, I want to grow in my walk with you. And I don't know how to do that. So some practical ways that you could do this. I know like if you want to get better at praying, when I say better, just more comfortable, more consistent in your prayer life, Um, something the Lord told me, which it's different for everybody. The Lord could have you do something totally different. But for me, I didn't like praying back in the day. I was like, this is boring and lame. Like, I wish I enjoyed this, but it sounds like torture. And, um, and the Lord told me just spend 20 minutes a night praying. And he said, it doesn't sound like much, but it's going to change your life. And so after three nights, I prayed out all the things I, that were on my heart, you know, like I, I'd emptied the reserve, you know? And so at that point, I started waiting on the Lord and being like, okay, Lord, well, what do you want me to pray? You know, he'd bring people to mind and things would come up. And I started growing in my prophetic gifting because I was tapping into God's thoughts. You know, that prayer time became the time for me to hear his thoughts. And so that was a practical way I started learning to pray and and learning to partner with God. And then when I'd see the people the next day that I, this all happened at Team Mania, when I'd start seeing the people the next day, I'd be like, I was praying for you last night for this, that, and the other. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. You know, and they're like, that's totally what I'm dealing with. So it started confirming that I was hearing God's voice. So that's really how I started growing in the prophetic and hearing God's voice. Um, also, practically, if you download the YouVersion app, um, which is the Bible app, then they have um, devotional plans in there that you can actually share with a friend so you guys can do it together. And so that's a great way to start getting the word in consistently. And they're pretty short, um, but uh, yeah. So there's just there's real simple, practical ways I love though focusing on loving the people around you and loving God. Like Christianity should not be complicated, right? I'm not gonna lie, my life hack was way more superficial than yours. I had to make one up on the spot because <laughs> I was gonna tell everybody. I was gonna tell everybody in your car. I like to keep tweezers. <laughs> <laughs> because there's nothing better than the lighting in the car for tweezing those stray hairs and flossing while you drive is kind of entertaining. And then you're flossing every day. So can I echo that that's a great life hack because I can't tell you how many times I've been somewhere. I'm like, where's my tweezers? I'm like, where did that even come from? I know. I I keep a pair in my wallet so that I always have them in the car with me. (laughs) 
It's a great life hack. It is not even superficial. It's real. It's very real. It's totally real. All right. Well, thanks, Tiffany, for coming. Thanks, listeners, for tuning in. And guys, also, to my listeners, don't forget, we, as Java with Jen, um, just partnered with Compassion International, and it is our mission to get 100 children sponsored by January. That is my personal goal, and I think it's totally doable. And so it's only 38 bucks a month. And what that does, you guys, it gets kids off the street and out of poverty where where they might have been trafficked. They they don't need to be trafficked anymore. Where their parents, and this is very real, might have had to sell them to feed the family. They don't have to sell them anymore. It gives them education. It gives them the, it removes the pressure of poverty so that they can actually consider dreaming for their life. Otherwise, these children in poverty, the dream for their life is, I want to be 10 years old. Like that's the dream for their life because making it to 10 years old is rare when you're in poverty and you don't know if you're going to have a meal. And so for 38 bucks a month, you guys, like, I'm just like wrecked over it. I'm trying to figure out how many children I can sponsor. Like, I'm like, can I have 12 of them, please? Like, I just want to do it. So you guys partner with me. I'm super excited. If you want to do that, it's compassion.com slash Java with Jen. And that's where you can sign up. So please spread the word. But otherwise, Tiffany, thank you so much for coming today. I love you. Love you. Firehouse. Hey, back at you for sure. (laughs) All right, girl. I'll let you go. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Thank you to each of you for your ongoing support. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Until next time, remember, you've got this and God's got you.